At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. Uh, we are in Romans chapter 7. I do want to thank all of you for just your generosity. This church family, this campus has been so uh, giving for the last six years. Just every year we continue to give more and more to this mission that God has called us into uh, for the renown of Christ and the good of uh, his people and our community. So thank you for all of that. Uh, as we've given ourselves financially, there's an exciting opportunity for us to give just of ourselves to our neighbors and to our neighborhoods where we live coming up this October 31st. You know, we want you living out, you know, this mission that Christ has called us to. And we have a great opportunity to do a community connection, right, as people are going to come to your house trick or treating, right? And uh, now maybe that day is like uh, not your thing and you're like, you know, I'm leaving town for that day, which is fine. Uh, but for the rest of you, uh, we want you to see this as an incredible incredible opportunity to serve uh, and get to know your neighbors. It's one of the only opportunities throughout the year where uh, the whole neighborhood is out and people are talking to each other and saying hello and all of that. And we've been learning from Romans that we are to use the members of our bodies, our faces, our hands, our feet uh, as, as instruments for righteousness. And so this is one such opportunity. So don't hide behind your curtains. Don't just put a, a bowl out there with candy, and definitely don't throw candy at the kids, you know. Go out there to your front lawn, uh, get some donuts, get some cider, talk to your group, come up with a creative plan. Use your energy, your creativity to invite people into a relationship with you. Uh, pray that that night you would meet one or two people you don't know from before, and who knows what God will do through that budding relationship. So we're not going to have the trick-or-treat here that we usually have uh, in the building. Maybe we'll do that again in uh, coming years, but we're doing that because we want to signal that the hundreds of street addresses that represent this church family all throughout our community is an incredible opportunity for us as uh, disciples and followers of Jesus Christ to go and love our neighbors. So please be in prayer for that and give it your all. We are in Romans chapter 7. Let's go to our God in prayer. Our God, our Father in heaven, we continue our trek through the midsection of Romans and our hearts are humbled by your love. Our minds are renewed by your truth. Our wills are freed to love you. The members of our bodies are transformed into instru instruments for good, God. All because Jesus took on flesh, died for us, and sent us this spirit of holiness. Thank you, Lord. We pray that you would continue to speak to us today. Lord, you know where we've been. You know what we come into this room with, what we are battling, what we're anxious about. Maybe the darkness that we find ourselves in. Maybe the joy that is with us this morning. Wherever we may be, Lord, would you apply, apply your word to us. We love you. We worship you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Romans 7 verse 1, or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. 
For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code, the word of the Lord. In my sermons, I try not to make too many references to movies, especially if the movie is bad. You know, actually, lately, I've had a love-hate relationship with movies. I've been loving hating on them. You know, you know I find that uh, of eight out of ten times, movies disappoint me, maybe even nine out of ten. But today, I'm going to use one. Uh, it's a bad movie from 1991. It's called Sleeping with the Enemy. I don't even know if I ever uh, saw the whole movie. But the movie tells the story of Laura Burney, who is married... <clears throat> Excuse me, is married to Martin, who is in finance, who is a success, successful um, businessman. They lived in the Boston area. They seem to have the perfect marriage, except that they were married about four years, and then it becomes obvious to Laura that she's in a wickedly abusive marriage, abusive in every way. And so the movie's a thriller because the whole time uh, you feel Laura's vulnerability and you wonder if and how she's going to escape this bad marriage. The tension uh, is magnified by the fact that her assailant, the villain of the movie, is none other than her husband. Now, before I knew anything about the movie except the title, I remember thinking, like, why is this woman sleeping with the enemy? And then as I learned about it, I was like, oh, it's her husband. Today, this passage is going to show us that just like Laura, all of us, and I mean all of us, are or were in a bad marriage. So how do we get out of it? It takes a death. It takes a death. We continue our series in uh, Romans, in the midsection of Romans. We're entitling it Newish because we're, we're coming to Romans to see that with the coming of Christ, everything's changed. But often little feels different for us. It feels more newish than new. And so we're coming to Romans digging for gold. I want all of us to emerge from this study, from these 12 plus weeks that we're in Romans, to emerge with chunks Chunks of life-giving, God-exalting gold. Romans 5 through 8 outlines one thick argument. So if you're here only once in a while, every so often, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting your chances of getting to gold. There's this deadly triangle of death, sin, and law that Romans 5 through 8 deals with. Paul is dealing with, with this triangle of death, sin, and law. Romans 5, we looked at death. In Romans 6, we looked at um, sin. And now in Romans 7, we're looking at law. Paul is double-clicking on these three things. 
keeping us on the edge of our seats. How will we escape these horrible villains until he brings it to full resolution with the unending glories of Romans 8, which is where we're going. Now, sometimes when people are reading Romans 5 or 6 or 7, they can start thinking, why are we still talking about death, sin, and law? Death, sin, and law. Why? I understand your impatience, but resist it. When someone finds out they have a serious form of cancer, they want the doctor to sit them down and tell them exactly how bad it is. They don't want to just skip over to the treatment or the cure. And that's what Paul is doing with us in Romans 5, 6, and 7. He's sitting us down. And he's letting us see just how badly ill we are. Weaving the cure all throughout until he brings it out in full view and glory in Romans 8. Now, why would Paul spend a whole chapter on the law? Well, because Paul needs to show that even though he said some provocative things about the law, his view of the law is still orthodox. Paul has said a number of things about the law. He has said in chapter 5 that the law came in to increase the trespass. He said in chapter 6 that we are not under law but under grace. He said in chapter 3 that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And who's he writing to? He's writing to Christians, many of whom were Jewish or Gentile God-fearers, all of whom had a high view of the law. And so Paul has to show that he also has a high view of the law, even though the law is not a part of the solution. In fact, the law is a part of their problem. And so he begins his exploration of the law by looking at one of the most powerful images of our union with Christ, and that is the covenant of marriage. So let's dig right in. First, belonging to Christ releases us from the law. Look at verse 1 again. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Paul articulates a pretty obvious principle, and then he jumps straight into uh, an illustration. What's the principle? The principle is that the law is binding on a person only as long as he or she is alive. That's the principle. What's the illustration? Well, he gets into this whole analogy of a, of, of a marriage, right? And so he talks about a woman who is married to a man, and she says, uh, he says that as long as they are married... Uh, uh, they are bound to each other by that law of marriage. But if the husband dies, the woman is free. She's free from that law of marriage. Now, if while they're still married and he's still alive, she goes on and becomes intimately involved with another man, she's called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, now she's free. She's free from this obligation. She can go. She can marry whoever she wants. She's not an adulteress. So that's the analogy. It's pretty basic. But what he does with it is very insightful. He begins to apply it in verse 4. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. So this language is bringing us back to Romans 6, verse 3, and our death with Christ. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
And so now he says in chapter 7, verse 4, you also have died. That's what he means. We died with Christ. We were crucified with Christ. Remember Romans 6, 6. Our old self has been crucified with Christ. So we died with him, and that's what he's saying in this this verse. But then he goes farther. He says, you also have died to the law, which means that the legal demands that the law makes on us no longer apply. This is incredible news. Remember Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Listen to it. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, with Christ, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Here we go. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Such great news. Listen, the law of God rightly accuses us. We've all fallen short of its demands. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not lie. Do not steal. Do not covet. I mean, if you're thinking right now that you haven't broken God's commandments, you just did. (laughs) When we break a law in America, we have a debt, and we need to pay. We pay either with money, with jail time, with community service, but we have to pay. Well, we have broken all of God's commandments, which means we have a debt that we can't pay and that has to be canceled. It has to be canceled and that's what Jesus did on the cross. And when you're united to him, the law can't send its IRS agents after you. It can't send its FBI agents after you. You owe it nothing. Nothing. You owe nothing at all. That's why Paul says you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. And so your death with Jesus releases you from the law, both from the debt you'd accrued, but also from from its ongoing demands. And so not only does Jesus release us from the law, but um, our debt with him also unites us to him, wets us to him. So belonging to Christ wets us to him. Look at verse 4 again. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. And so now the marriage analogy becomes even fuller. You know, we weren't just released from the law. There was a reason for this. What was the reason? So that we may belong to another, to him, to Christ, who was raised from the dead. If the woman in Paul's analogy was married to a horrible man, unfaithful, abusive, demeaning, and then he died, she'd be free. She would breathe a sigh of relief. And then if along comes another man, one who is devout and kind and loving, all the better. See, what Paul is saying is that we have been set free from the law so that we now are free to belong to another, to Christ. So get this. Not only does Jesus rescue us from the law through his body, because remember, it's through the body of Christ that we are released from the law, but he rescues us for himself. Now, let me give you another movie. 
how many fans do we have here of the early Superman films from the 70s and 80s? Let me see. Okay. All right, yeah, like, come on. Christopher Reeve, you guys, you know? Well, in those movies, there was always invariably that scene where there was a lot of mayhem and lots of people to be saved. And Superman would, would save a woman, and he would fly her down to safety. And as he was flying her down, she would be looking longingly into his deep blue eyes, and, she, and he would be looking back at her, not quite flirting, but kind of. I mean, right? It's Superman, right? And so this is happening. You could just see that she wanted the moment to last forever, you know, to borrow language from that favorite of, you know, our women's shows, The Bachelor. She didn't want to lose the connection, right? <laughs> she just wanted that to say, but he was not interested. You know, he just set them down to safety and took off, you know, and he was gone. So he was just interested in the rescue, not the relationship. That's not what Jesus does when he saves us. Jesus saves us from the law by his own body, but he rescues us to himself. He doesn't just set us safely somewhere stranded and says, now go. Now that I've set you free, figure out your life. That's not what he does. He brings us all the way into his kingdom, into his presence, both now and for all eternity. So he rescues us from the law, but he rescues us to himself, for himself. We're wedded to him. This verse, Romans 7, 4, is the clearest verse of our marriage to Jesus in all of Romans. Circle it. Remember it. We belong to the one who has been raised from the dead. We're secure. Death will never nullify our marriage to Christ. He will never die again. And so we know, we believe that we will live with him. And we now belong to him in order that we might bear fruit for God. We bear fruit from God. So, so from this union with Christ, this marriage with Christ, there's offspring. What's the offspring? The fruit of the Spirit of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Just think of these things. These are the things. If you see these things growing in your life, it's because you're married to Christ and there's offspring coming out of that marriage. And it's all those wonderful things that I just said that build you and the people around you up. That is the offspring. So the big idea of this passage is that belonging to Christ leads us to bearing fruit in Christ. Belonging to Christ leads us to bearing fruit in Christ. Not just the fruits of the Spirit, but also people that through our witness and our presence, our lives, also embrace the Messiah. That's why we have that outreach on October 31st for you to go and, and love the people of your neighborhood. This is a fruitful marriage. With Christ, and it's a rescue from a bad marriage. I told you at the beginning that all of us, all of us either are or were in a bad marriage, and it took a death to get out of it the death of the Son of God. But the question must be asked who were we married to prior to Christ? Who were we married to? Because here's where we're on the edge of our seats. 
as we realize that we were indeed sleeping with the enemy. So let's keep on reading. Belonging to Christ empowers a new way to serve. Look at verse 5. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. Okay, so we've seen this language in previous sections of Romans. Paul says, while we were living in the flesh. In the flesh means in Adam, when we were in Adam apart from Christ. Now let's remember a number of the things we've learned in the last few weeks. In chapter 5, we learned that our lives are ruled by one act from one man. In Adam, death reigns. In Christ, grace reigns. We also learned in Romans 6.6 that our old self has been crucified with Christ that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Now there's one way to divide a human being uh, as body and soul, right? That's a pretty uh, uh, popular way of dividing who a human being is, you know, body and soul. But there's another way of dividing a human being that Paul uses often. And it gets more to the spiritual issue. And that's the old self and the new self. In Adam, our old self was dominated, ruled by our sinful passions. In Christ, our new self is being renewed and formed into the likeness of Christ. Remember also that our desires are not necessarily sinful, but they can become so depending on whether we're under the rule of sin or the rule of God. And remember as well that the members of our bodies, right, can be turned into instruments for wickedness or for righteousness, for good. And so when you put all of that together, what we learn here is that when we are in the flesh, when we are in Adam, our sinful passions are at work in the members of our bodies so that we carry out their work, you know, wh whatever that may be. And all of that because the law, this is where it comes into Romans 7, all of that because the law arouses our desires and sends them in the direction of sin. In other words, you were married to your old self. You were married prior to Christ you were married to your old self. And that bond of marriage to your old self was strengthened by the law. And the offspring from that ghastly union was death. So here we see that Paul's analogy in verses 2 and 3 functions in two ways. First, the man, the married man, the husband in verse 3 who died... Just like he died, so also your old self died with Christ. But also, just like the woman of verse 3 was free once her husband died, you also, now that your old self has died, if you're in Christ, it has died, now you are free to belong to Jesus, to be married to Christ. And the bond, the bond between you and your old self was, again, strengthened by the law. But your bond with Christ is strengthened not by law. And here's where we go wrong even as Christians. It's not by more law. The way that your bond with Christ is strengthened is actually by the very thing that released you from the law. Which is the body of Christ given for you on the cross. That's why Paul says, likewise, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. This is why we sing, you guys, thank you, Jesus, for the blood. 
There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood. It's incredible news. But I want you to get this because you have to see how much the law exerts power over our lives, even as Christians. And then we get to verse 6, which is a miniature exposition of what Paul gives us in detail in the first half of chapter 8. Verse 6 says, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Church, we're staring right here at a chunk. A chunk of gold. And I want this gold to be yours forever. I do not want you to quickly leave this gold like a child that sees a butterfly at the playground and stops what he's doing to go chase it. I don't want that to happen to us, to you. So I want us to ponder briefly how our bad marriage to our old self worked and how our marriage to Christ, our new marriage to Christ, blossoms under entirely new conditions. Paul says in 7 verse 1, the law is binding on a person as long as he or she lives. And boy, does that binding start early in life. Just think of one of those words that toddlers use as weapons. Mine. The truck, the ball, the doll, mine. What's happening there? The law of uh, ownership is at work in them, even though they can't articulate it that way. And as they grow up, all the different uh, fights with their siblings boil down to law. Someone's rights are being violated, and they appeal to law to defend themselves. It's my room. It's my book. It's not fair. And then as adults, we organize ourselves in societies under the rule of law. Because the opposite of the rule of law, anarchy, is chaos. And it's scary and it's destructive. And so as human beings, we need the protection of the law. If our society is going to work, because human beings do evil and are self-seeking. Okay, so that's at a society level. But I want us to look now at how the law works on us as individuals. So I want us to take something that's not controversial. Let's take the COVID vaccine, okay? So, you know, by, because of all kinds of different reasons, you know, an individual will decide, you know what, I do not feel good about this vaccine. And someone else will say, I feel great about this vaccine. Okay, now people are free to make those choices, and they're free to use good arguments to convince each other of their point of view. But with that statement, I feel great about the vaccine, or no, I do not feel great about the va vaccine, that very statement becomes part of the law, the code by which now I begin to see myself as either intelligent or caring or free. But remember what the law does to our old self. It arouses our sinful passions. So now let me break here for a second to clarify something. In Romans 7, Paul is referring to the law of God. That is the law that God gave through Moses to Israel at Sinai. That is the highest form of law that humanity has ever received because that is God's law. Any other law 
code, creed, constitution is a lesser and imperfect form or trying to mimic that law of God. And of course, we also have all kinds of different wicked laws that people make. I say that because I want us to be very clear that any law, whether it's the law of God or a law that we've made for ourselves, exerts influence on us in a way that Paul says here leads to death. So let's get back to the uncontroversial example of the COVID vaccine. Someone says, I feel great about the vaccine. Someone says, no, I do not feel great about that vaccine. And that becomes a part of my understanding of myself, the code that guides me by which I see myself as intelligent or caring or free. But then that code, now that's a part of me, begins to exert its influence on my old self. My old self that is ruled by sinful passions and not by God. And what do our sinful passions do? They hijack the members of our bodies. They hijack the members of our bodies like our brain, like our lips, so that now armed with that code, aroused by that code, I might begin to say, you know what? I can't believe how our neighbors are handling this whole vaccine thing. How could they be so blind, so not intelligent, so not caring, so not free? I thought they were better people. I'm going to unfriend them. That's how the law operates on our old self. And the fruit is death. Because with that kind of posture toward your neighbors, there's no way that relationship is going to blossom. Now you may say, oh, you just pick something political. No, I'm talking about how the law functions on us as Paul is showing us here. So let's bring it into the home. Let's take that fun topic that husband and wife love to discuss over dinner Money, okay? So in this case, the wife is frugal. The husband loves to spend on necessities, he might add, such as the NFL cable package and some nice golf clubs, okay? So they have their two different ways of approaching this thing, and that approach becomes part of their law, their code of conduct, by which they begin to see themselves as intelligent, as caring, as protective of the marriage. Now, you might say, wait a minute, how are golf clubs protective of the marriage? Oh, it takes a couple of steps, but you can get there. Trust me, (laughs) I've heard it, okay? So with this kind of uh, posture. Now remember what the law does to our old self. It arouses our sinful passions and it hijacks our members so that now either spouse may begin to say, you know what? You only think about yourself. I can't believe that you don't think about my needs. You don't want me to be happy. I don't even know how this marriage is going to work. We could do this with a hundred examples. That's how the law operates on us, on our old self. Apart from Christ, you are married to your old self. And that bond is strengthened by law. And the offspring of that unhappy union always leads to death. The offspring of that kind of union will lead to malice, to anger, to lust, to deception, to greed, to bitterness. Which is why Paul is so overjoyed to tell us in verse 4, you have died to the law 
through the body of Christ, so that now you belong to another, to Christ, who was raised from the dead. We are married to Christ. We're married to Christ, and we owe nothing to the law, nothing at all. We're free. We're free to be married to our Savior. The law can make any demands on us, and now we strengthen that bond with Jesus, not by law, you guys, we can miss this so much. We do not strengthen the bond by law, but by the very thing that rescued us from the law. The body of Christ given for us on the cross. Which is why we sing, thank you, Jesus, for the blood. There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood. There is nothing stronger you find yourself still caught in a sin because the law is arousing your sinful passions the way to conquer is by pondering the cross pondering all that Christ is for you and if you are here and you're not a believer you would not say that that you have um, that you're married to Christ that all you've known is being married to your old self and you know how much that stinks. And the invitation for you today is to come, to leave that behind and come to Christ. Be wedded to Christ that in him you may know freedom. You may know the freedom that God alone can give. And so come, do not stay away. Do not stay far from God. We're released from the law. We're released from that which held us captive so that we may serve in the new way of the Spirit. And we're going to spend five weeks in Romans 8 precisely looking at this. We're getting to the diamond more and more and more. It's going to be wonderful. But let me encourage you now to not use law against others. Don't use law against others. It only serves to prop you up in your pride and tear everybody else down. Serve in the new way of the Spirit. You know, when you see Christians who are self-righteous, or when you see unbelievers who are just blasting everyone online or at work or whatever, do you know what's at work right there? Law code some kind of code they've erected and no one else can measure up to and all the while their old self is getting stronger and the fruit is death but when I look at Christ on the cross and I see my sin there and I see the love of God for me there I melt pride melts and I'm able to hear Jesus address me with his word love your enemies love your enemies this is how this functions and it's glorious and so do not use law against people serve in the new way of the spirit it's the way of grace it's the way of christ even in something as simple as you know this past week in my family so in my family we have this whole schedule to take jet our son to school and so we divide up the schedule between anna rain and myself but it's a little bit complicated with his cross-country practices and meets, and it just kind of changes. And so we're trying to keep up with it, and we all have our specific times. Well, this past week, I went and I got him on a day that was not my turn to go get him. And so I did that, and then the next day, it was my turn, and, uh, but I could really use the time to write. So I was trying to get Anna to, uh, pay, you know, to go take him for me, but I started using the principle of law on her. 
I said, you know, I got jet yesterday uh, from school, uh, and I didn't really have to do that. Um, <laughs> would, you, would you take him for me tomorrow? But you see what I was doing there? I'm doing like a tit for tat. Right? Like, that's like the principle of, hey, I did this, I wasn't supposed to, but would you do that? And Anna, kind as ever, responded, came back to me with the principle of grace. And so she said, uh, yeah, you, you took Jet yesterday, uh, or you picked him up yesterday, uh, and it wasn't your turn, but it wasn't my turn either. It was Rain's turn, so I owe you nothing. <laughs> But then she said, but I'll take him for you tomorrow because I want to serve you. Because that's how our marriage operates. No tit for tat here. Look at this woman. Isn't that amazing? Yes, that's right. But you guys, here's the thing. Imagine if that's how all of our relationships operated. That's what our marriage to Christ is supposed to do. I promise you. That if you think about a relationship in your life right now that's strained with your spouse or with your children or with someone else, there's the principle of law at work. Somehow there's something that they're not measuring up and it's tripping you up. But imagine if all of our relationships went this way, strengthened by our bond with Christ, with that fruit that comes from that bond. And just think of the joy, the love, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control against such things. There is no law, Paul says in Galatians. So don't use law against others. And if you want to strengthen your bond with Christ, the way to do it is not through law. Oh, I need to come to church. I need to read the Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to give more. Be done with that kind of thinking. The way to strengthen that bond is through the only thing that delivered you from the clutches of the law. The body of Christ given for you on the cross. So ponder, church. Ponder the beauties of the cross maybe later today maybe tomorrow this week just sit down you and the word of God in Romans and let this truth wash over you there is nothing stronger than the wonder working power of the blood the blood let's pray Father, these are holy moments. When we pause and are addressed by you, When you open our eyes, and as someone said earlier today, the fog is removed. Father, I pray that you would remove the fog for everyone here today. That we may see clearly our marriage to the old self. That ghastly union that led to death. And Father, for those who are still there, that's all they know, 
Father, I pray that you deliver them. I pray they would come to you, God. I pray they would run to Christ in faith and say, I want to, I want you. I want you. I receive you as my life, as my bridegroom. And I just pray for the offspring, the fruit of that union to begin to grow as joy replaces sadness, as as love replaces hatred, as peace takes over their anxiety, and on and on, Lord, you rebuild them. And I pray, Father, that all of us who belong to Christ would treasure our marriage to him. We are wedded to Christ. We've been freed from the law that we may belong to another. And the law has no claim on us anymore. No claim. And yet we're transformed. How? By beholding the glory of the Lord, chiefly as it's revealed on the cross. So, Father, we ponder our Savior, and we thank you for him. We thank you for his body given for us. We thank you for the blood. We affirm that there is nothing stronger in heaven or on earth or under the earth than the wonder-working power of the blood of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.